Saturday Night at the Bragg is a horror podcast. It contains graphic language and depictions of violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet lonely death is a thankless task. The end of all things to come, the coming past. Outside was a party, or at least the skeleton of one. There was no music, but a couple hundred people stood spread out across the field, on into the edge of the woods, and all the way back up to the stairs of the depot. They were all holding cocktail or champagne glasses, and they all had the same wide-toothed grin on their faces. Where did they all come from? Maybe they were hiding in the woods. Henry walked down the back stairs, turning to slip between a man in a pinstrap suit, holding a two-finger pour of whiskey, and a woman in a gold sequin dress, about to take a sip of a three-olive martini. Hello? Daryl called out, but not a single head turned. No one seemed to acknowledge him at all. He and Elizabeth followed Emery down the stairs amongst the partygoers. Excuse me, sir, I... Daryl reached out to touch the man on the shoulder, but thought better of it. The man was as still as a statue. His hand was outstretched, holding that glass for so long that surely it ought to be shaken by now, but it wasn't moving. Derry, look! Elizabeth pointed at the glass. The man's glass was tilted at a severe angle, as if he had just stopped mid-gesture. The whiskey ran up the side, nearly pouring out, but it didn't. It didn't run back down either. It stayed just as it was, perpetually about to spill. Hey! Emery hollered, standing face to face with another man in a tailcoat suit and a top hat. What the hell is wrong with them? Look, Dale motioned toward the center of the field where a light glowed faintly. Maybe somebody's over there. He saw the curious looks on their faces and added, somebody normal. It's worth a shot. Elizabeth started toward the center of the field and Emery followed her. 
to their right alongside the field ran the train tracks, the very same tracks that had been torn up and hauled off years ago. Like everything else on the property, they were shiny and new. The spikes were untarnished, the creosote glistened still wet on the ties. Daryl moved in behind them but stopped when he came to a crate full of railroad tools. Wrenches and hammers, chains and files, a pair of iron tongs with razor-sharp barbs on the end. They looked like the ones he used at the sawmill to pull logs onto the planer, but these weren't worn down to nubs from 12-hour days of dragon pine timber. No, these tines had bite. They'd been sharpened into blades. If nothing else about this seemed out of place or served to spook him, that did. Suddenly wading through a crowd of unmoving people, undead maybe, didn't seem like the best idea. Maybe he should call out to them, tell them not to go any further. Maybe they should just climb back in the Camaro and get the hell out of there. He looked back at the driveway, hoping the sight of his beloved car could provide some semblance of reassurance that they were still safe and of this world, but the Camaro, the Camaro was gone the hell? He stepped to the corner of the building. Maybe he had gotten disoriented and the driveway was a little further over, but when he rounded the corner, the driveway was gone. What had been a wide strip of crushed granite no more than an hour ago was now raw earth, reclaimed once more, now by a stand of pine saplings. Beyond the pines, a ways down the Bragg Road, a light flickered into existence. Elizabeth and Emery moved through the crowd, turning and dodging, careful not to bump into anyone. There were no signs of life and a sea of seemingly living people. What are they wearing? Emery asked. Is this some kind of costume party? I guess it could be. Elizabeth placated, but she knew something wasn't right. If it was a costume party, they had failed to settle on a theme. This was more a collection of people dressed in the popular stylings of each decade going back what looked like the last hundred years. There were women in gowns with oversized petticoats, men in dark wool trousers and boater hats next to other women in pillbox hats and brightly colored miniskirts, men in polyester bell bottoms and corduroy suits. There were people in clothes the likes of which she'd never seen before, bright neon colors and white sport coats acid-washed jeans and animal print fabrics. She turned sideways to squeeze past a flapper girl holding a long-stemmed cigarette holder between her delicate fingers, ash not daring to fall from its end. Her head was thrown back like she'd just been told the funniest joke anyone's ever heard, and her smile said she'd laugh about it forever. In fact, maybe they were all laughing at the same joke, because each person they passed had the same stupid grin spread ear to ear. Elizabeth stared at the flapper girl, waiting, watching for even a breath, and though she saw no movement upon further inspection, she noticed a trail cut through the woman's makeup, where a single tear had long ago spilled, forever suspended, afraid to fall. There was a pain in the girl's eyes, a discomfort hidden behind that smile. 
She looked to the man the flapper girl was facing, and he too had the same look of agony tucked away behind a matching rictus grin. They were all smiling. They were all fake and frozen and suffering. Emery, wait. He was too far ahead of her now, disappearing into the crowd. She looked back and couldn't see Daryl. Panic began to dig its tines into her. Derry! Emery! Her breathing quickened. Her heart raced. She was all alone in the middle of a group of people in so much pain she could almost feel it herself. She looked around at smile after hideous fake smile and her head began to spin. She thought she might collapse right then and there when Emery's strong hand reached out and pulled her into the center of the crowd. She put her hands on her knees and took a few deep breaths, then slowly looked up to find that Emery had his back to her. Emery? She reached out for him, but stopped when she saw what held his attention. The crowd parted into a rough circle, and in the center, where the light they saw had been coming from, was a brand new candy red Camaro. What the hell? Elizabeth moved closer to the car. This looks just like... She inhaled sharply. Around the rearview mirror hung a pair of dog tags. She didn't have to look. She knew what name was on them. It's Daryl's car. Emery was so still, he might as well have been one of the party goers. How is that possible? Daryl, where's Daryl? Emery, where's Daryl? Emery snapped too. I, I don't know. I thought he was behind you. Daryl! Elizabeth called out. Daryl! Emery joined in, but they got no answer. They looked around the circle, hoping he would pop out of the crowd, but knowing that wasn't likely to happen. Elizabeth wasted little time climbing on top of the Camaro to look over the crowd and hopefully see Daryl making his way through it, coming to join her safe and sound. Instead, what she saw sent a shock coursing through her body, draining her color. Daryl! She screamed over the crowd. No one looked up except for Emery. He climbed onto the Camaro with her and looked out past the crowd to find Daryl standing in the middle of the road, arms at his side, watching the brag light grow brighter, larger, as it closed in on him. What the hell is he doing? That guy's going to hit him. The words felt wrong as he said them. There was no buzz from the dirt bike engine this time, no road noise, no shouting profanities from a reckless driver. This was something else. He knew it, and judging from the look on her face, Elizabeth did too. Come on, we gotta get him. They jumped off the Camaro like it was about to blow up and hit the ground in a full stride. Elizabeth ducked under outstretched arms and half-spilled cocktail glasses, making her way out to the road. Emery shifted side to side, shuffling around bodies, trying to keep up without ramming into anyone, but was finding that a more difficult task than he'd anticipated. He still hadn't seen any of them move, but he could have sworn they were closer together than they had been a little while ago. Derry! Elizabeth was just coming to the end, where the crushed granite drive had earlier laid, when she glanced back over her shoulder to see Emery turn and ram full speed into a burly man in a dark suit. The man felt like a brick wall. Emery hit the ground, knocking the wind out of him. He struggled to push himself up to his elbow, gasping to reclaim his breath. Somewhere in the distance, he heard Elizabeth calling, Emery! 
He wheezed and hacked and fought some air back into his lungs. I'm okay. Go get Daryl. Emery picked himself up, a little lightheaded and even more confused. Had that man been standing there the whole time, or did he step in front of him? He turned left to avoid the man, only to get a face full of pink-feathered boa wrapped around some wannabe starlet's neck. He turned back and bumped into the burly fella in the suit again. He hadn't seen it, but he was sure the guy had moved this time. The man was standing chest to chest with Emery, but his head was turned like he was having a conversation with the guy in the 10-gallon cowboy hat next to him. Emery grabbed two fistfuls of the man's suit coat, aiming to shove him out of the way, but just like when he'd run into him, the man wouldn't budge. Get the fuck out of my way! He looked to the driveway and could see Elizabeth making her way through the trees, almost to the road, and felt the slightest bit relieved. Until, that is, he turned back and saw that the man had cut his eyes toward him. What the hell? Slowly, deliberately, like gears that had long been rusted, the man turned his head to stare at Emery. Emery let go of the man and took a step back, bumping into someone. He didn't want to lose sight of the man, so he reached a hand back and was somewhat relieved to feel the feathered boa. Then came a dry, cracking sound, like a dying fire, and he had to look. The would-be starlet was turning her head to face him with that same rictus grin on her face. That smile was a terrible thing, fake and pained and hideous. It was spread over chapped lips that had cracked and split but would not bleed. The only thing Emery found more grotesque was the look on her face when she stopped smiling. As if someone had flipped a switch, the smile was gone, and the woman stared at him with a blank expression that was somehow worse. He wanted to ask her where they'd all come from, how a brand new building got here in a short few hours. Ask her just what the hell was going on here. But before he had a chance, the woman opened her mouth and let out a sound that was both shrill and guttural. It was high-pitched like nails scratching the tin roof over the top of a deep animalistic roar. And in that sound, Emery understood the purpose of the smile. It had hidden the truth that this woman, whatever she truly is, was no longer of this world. He turned to run, but the man in the suit began making the same sound. Others joined in, turning to face him, shrieking out that awful sound. In a matter of seconds, the whole field had erupted into a deafening roar, all staring at him, all moving in on him. The burly man in the suit bumped into him first. Emery took a step back and the woman in the boa shoved him. He shuffled to the right and the fellow in the cowboy hat closed the gap. Emery swung at them. He connected blow after blow, but they were unfazed. Elizabeth! He threw his head back, trying to force his voice to rise above the terrible roar of the crowd, but it was no use. She would never hear him. Now surrounded, he dropped to his knees and began to crawl. There was no going in the direction of the road, but he managed to wriggle himself between and around feet and legs and back toward the tree line. He crawled and scraped and kicked and didn't let up until the crowd thinned and he could stand. His hands were raw and his muscles burned, but he ran. He ran and didn't look back. He just kept going deeper, disappearing into the woods.
The pines in the driveway weren't mature. They still had some give to them. But the closer Elizabeth got to the road, the thicker the trees seemed. She bent branches and shoved her way through the stand of saplings until she hit a patch too dense to push, and she started ripping them out at the roots. From where she was, she could throw a rock and hit Daryl, but it may as well have been a mile. The light was upon him. Derry! She managed to get her head and one arm through the wall of pine needles for whatever good it did. Daryl looked at her, and for a second she thought she had gotten through to him, but his blank expression changed. His lips drew back until they split. The muscles in his face tightened unnaturally, exposing a mouthful of clenched teeth. Tears welled in his eyes but would not spill. He looked away, turning back toward the light, just as it overcame him in a blinding flash. Elizabeth closed her eyes and threw up a free arm to shield them from whatever the light brought with it. The night got calm. The horrible roar coming from the crowd fell to a whisper, then stopped altogether. When she opened her eyes, the light and Daryl were gone. The trees suddenly didn't seem as thick, and she could once again move freely. She stepped through the saplings and onto the Bragg Road. Daryl! But the road was as empty as it had always been. Panic set in. She was too late. Whatever the light was had taken Derry. Her heart pounded in her chest, her breath hitching and convulsing. She wanted to lie down right there in the middle of that horrible road and die, but the front door of the depot slammed closed, and for a moment, she held her breath. Through the front window, she watched as Daryl walked by, then disappeared into the depot. Emery finally stopped running when he hit a patch of gumbo soil too thick to move through quickly. He dropped to his hands and knees, wheezing and coughing, fighting to catch his breath. The ground was damp here, cold, and the air was thick and sticky. He could no longer hear that awful roar of the crowd. It had been replaced by the croak of bullfrogs the chirping of crickets, and the splash of whatever the hell had just crawled off into the water that now surrounded him on three sides. He did not care to find out what that was. He drew in a couple lungfuls of the stale swamp water air, collected himself, and got up off the ground. He backtracked slowly off the peninsula to where the ground was a little firmer. He knew he was safer here than back at the depot, but looking out through the woods, he couldn't imagine it was by much. What little bit of moonlight the trees allowed to pass through their canopies cast an uncanny glow on the swamp, which only served to make the shadow seem darker. As Emery moved through the woods, every tree limb was an arm reaching out to grab him. Each cypress knee he tripped on was a hand clawing its way out of the grave to pull him down. He cursed the tricks his eyes were playing on him, the vines that looked like a clutch of snakes, the pine needles that were a nest of daddy long legs, the light that flicked on in the distance that was really a... Son of a gun! That's really a light! He watched it for a while to make sure it wasn't watching him too, wasn't growing or coming toward him. When he was satisfied it was stationary, he set out walking for it. A light could mean a house, and that could mean help. There weren't a lot of folks living out in these woods anymore, and the ones who still did weren't the kind of people who just invite you in for Sunday dinner. But what choice did he have? 
He'd left Daryl and Elizabeth to fend off that light and a field full of the undead out of sheer fear. He owed it to them to try. Maybe the people who lived in that house could let him use a telephone. If they had one, he knew that was a long shot. Maybe they'd give him a ride to fetch the police if they didn't. Either way, he headed toward the light. Elizabeth rattled the front doorknob, pushed hard, but it was locked up tight. She wasted no time picking up a fire log and smashing in one of the front windows. She raked the log around the frame, clearing the jagged shards of glass, and climbed into the depot. There was no sign of Derry, but hell, he couldn't have gotten far. It only took her a couple minutes to get back into the place, but the first floor offices were empty. The back door was now shut and locked. Reluctantly, she climbed the stairs to the second floor. The catwalk creaked beneath her hurried steps as she made her way toward the room with the window overlooking the crowd. She hoped beyond hope that Derry would be there, looking out that window, completely unharmed, unchanged by the light, but somewhere deep within her, she knew he wouldn't be, and she hoped she was wrong. Her heart sank as she stepped into an empty room. Where had he gone? Where had Emory gone? She was all alone. With shaky breath and hopeless tears spilling down her face, Elizabeth looked out the window at the crowd. Without interference, they'd just gone back to their suspended, lifeless party. The Camaro was still parked in the clearing, shiny and new. She watched for a while, resigned to either walk out of there, down the Bragg Road by herself and face whatever the night had to offer, or maybe just stay right there and disappear with the depot if, in fact, that's what was going to happen. Or maybe join the party. Each option seemed more unpleasant than the last. Before she could make her mind up, there was movement. At the back of the crowd, bodies began to part, making a path for... for what? Daryl! She pounded on the glass, but he paid her no mind. He just kept on walking through the crowd, toward the Camaro, dragging behind him the razor-sharp pair of railroad tongs. The closer Emery got, the clearer it became he was seeing a porch light. It was a shack of a place on the far side of the swamp. The trees were decorated with no trespassing signs, but he reckoned that the next house he came to, if there was a next one, probably wouldn't be any more inviting. He walked carefully across the front yard, stepping over beer cans and around a burn pile. There were car parts strewn here and there, and leaned against the big oak tree that was a dirt bike. Well, son of a bitch. He wasted little time building up his nerve, climbed the steps of the rickety front porch and banged on the door. He waited only a few seconds before knocking again. This time the door flung open and he was greeted with the barrel of a shotgun. Wait, wait! Emery cowed down on the front porch, throwing his hands up as if they'd be any defense against 12-gauge buckshot. Don't shoot! Please! My friends are in trouble! We need help! You need to get the hell off my land before I blow you full of holes. Throw you in that swamp. The man at the other end of the gun was impossibly large. He wore grease-stained coveralls and a ratty old ball cap pulled so far over his face that it looked like he had dark orbs where his eyes ought to be. 
His few remaining teeth were stained with the same tobacco juice that matted his beard. Amory looked up at him sheepishly. Please, sir. You gotta help us. Do you have a phone? Is there any way I can... Hey, it's you. At the end of the narrow entry hall, peeking around the corner, was the boy from the dirt bike. The man with the gun. The boy's daddy, Emery presumed, cocked his head back, revealing eyes that were somehow more menacing than the shadows. He glanced back at the boy, then looked to Emery. We saw you out on the road earlier. You, you almost hit my friend, remember? Well, well, he's in trouble now. The lot was coming for him. I tried to help him, but the, the people at the depot started screaming at me or, or something. I'm not sure, but I gotta get them some help. The man jerked his head toward the boy, and the boy scampered off around the corner. He turned slowly back to Emery. The depot's been torn down for years, boy. I promise you it's there now, sir. You need to forget about what you saw. Forget about your friends. Get out of here while you still can. I, I can't do that. Do you have a phone? The man racked the shotgun. I can't help you. Now get the hell off my property. But mister, please, you gotta- The man fired around just over Emery's head that sent shot ricocheting off an old engine block and scattering into the woods behind him. The sound was deafening. The man was screaming something, but all Emery could hear was the ringing in his ears. Still, he could surmise what the fellow was getting at when he racked another shell into the chamber. Emery scrambled down the stairs and fell out into the front yard. When he got turned back around, the man was already headed back inside the house. He slammed the door, which Emery took to mean it was best he not stick around. Emery stood and began walking back the way he came when something hit him in the side of the head. He looked down at a crushed Coors banquet can. Emery whipped around to see the dirt bike boy standing at the corner of the house with a shushing finger over his lips. Elizabeth didn't waste time trying the back door again. She climbed back out the front window, grabbed another stick of firewood from the stack, ran down the stairs and around the corner of the building. She hesitated for a split second, not wanting to go back into the crowd, but she caught a glimpse of Derry, and off she took. She maneuvered her way amongst them for a good 50 feet or so before noticing how much more difficult that was becoming. While the people still weren't moving, they seemed somehow aware of her now. Just like the pine saplings in the driveway, the spaces between them grew smaller the further in she went. She dropped to her knees, straining to keep sight of Daryl, but the more she struggled, the more they closed in on her. She was breathing heavily. There was no airflow down here. If she didn't find a way past them, then get into Derry, the whole point of all this might very well be moot. Elizabeth had to find a breath of fresh air. Hell, she'd climb on top of their shoulders if she had to. She looked up, and much to her chagrin, a man in a 1960s plaid three-piece suit was staring down at her. Then she looked back down at the stick of firewood she clutched in her trembling hand. Elizabeth came up swinging. Emery had felt a little silly riding on the back of the kid's dirt bike at breakneck speed down the Bragg Road, but the boy seemed a hell of a lot more comfortable and confident than he imagined he'd be behind the wheel. If the light has him, it's too late, the boy had whispered to him back in the yard. 
I didn't see it take him, and it doesn't matter. I have to try either way. Besides, my other friend's still out there. I've got to get her. Well, I reckon I'll help you. I'll take you back. Listen, kid, I appreciate the offer, but you ain't got no idea what you're up against. Those ain't people no more. If they get you, if they put that smile on you, you're better off dead. Emery thought back to that grotesque grin they all shared, and his stomach nodded. I mean, I could use your help, it's just... What are you, 14? I'm a lot older than I look. So Emery swallowed his pride and hopped on the back of the bike. In a few short minutes, he could see the light from the depot glowing that sickly yellow through the woods. Elizabeth swung the log with all the strength she still possessed. Neither she nor the log gave any thought or held any preference. She bashed indiscriminately every head that came within swinging distance. Daryl! She never got a reply, but that didn't keep her from screaming at him, hoping he might answer, might let her know she's not alone, when she very much was. There was a sickening crack each time the log connected with the skull, leaving a fist-sized crater, splitting the skin wide open. She thought she'd kill the whole crowd if she had to. The more she swung the log, the more she realized that wasn't what was happening. The party-goers seemed mostly unfazed. They turned their heads at the initial impact, but they all just turned right back to her, with blood pouring down their faces, across their lips, and that godforsaken smile. Anytime she managed to hit one hard enough to fall, another would just move in and take his place. Elizabeth was wearing thin, each swing getting weaker. The crowd had given up the motionless facade. What had seemed almost imperceptible before was now horrifyingly obvious. They were coming after her. And they started making that sound again. That awful noise that was somehow simultaneously a shriek and a growl, raw and animalistic, like something backed into a corner, gnashing its fangs. It was both a threat and despair. It was the sound of fear. Derry, please! She had no room left to swing. They were much too close now, squeezing her in their suffocating, screaming embrace. She threw her head back, struggling for a breath, resigned to get one last look at the clear night before they overcame her. But the stars were gone from the sky, and she closed her eyes. The sound of a dirt bike engine cut through the scream of the crowd. Elizabeth wasn't sure she heard it, but then came the echoing cannonade of a shotgun, and she was sure she heard that. When she opened her eyes, one of the smiling humanoids was only inches away from her face. She wanted to scream until the shotgun boomed again and his head split open. A hand grabbed her by the arm and pulled her out of the circle of hell. She wiped the blood from her eyes and was relieved to see Emery standing there holding the shotgun like some blood-soaked superhero. Emery! She wrapped her arms around him. Are you okay? We need to get you out of here fast. Elizabeth noticed the boy on the dirt bike. She gave Emery a puzzled look. He's here to help. We have to get Derry. The subsequent five minutes were a blur of chaos and gunfire as Emery marched right through the crowd, blasting anyone or anything that got in his way. The boy followed on the dirt bike with Elizabeth holding onto him tightly. Every four shots when Emery had to stop and reload, the things would move in and he'd have to mow them down again. But they were making ground, cutting their way back toward the Camaro. 
As they neared the clearing, the man in the ten-gallon cowboy hat lumbered toward Emery. Emery fired, blew the hat right off along with the top half of the man's head. He fired again, and they were covered in a cloud of pink feathers. The starlet lay on the ground with a sizable hole in her chest, still smiling. He shot again, and a whiskey glass exploded in the hand of the burly man. The next shot took the smile off the man's face. Emery reached in his pocket for more shells. I'm out! There's Daryl! Elizabeth leaned up over the boy. He's at the car. What is he doing? Oh my God, what are they doing to him? Daryl was twisting his head back and forth, his mouth contorting into something between a smile and a grimace as someone wrenched the railroad tongs around his neck. Here, take these. The boy held out a handful of shells. Emery took them and tried to reload the shotgun, but his hands were shaking and he fumbled the shells onto the ground. Fuck! He bent down to pick them up and was able to jack in two more rounds, but the party goers moved in on him too quickly to get a shot off. Hop off, will ya? The boy revved the dirt bike engine. What are you gonna do? Elizabeth asked as she climbed off the bike. I'm gonna make a hole. But as soon as you have a chance, you get your friend and y'all get out of here. The boy stared at her strangely. What is it? You just look like someone I used to know. He hit the throttle and the dirt bike lunged forward toward Emery. Move! Emery dove out of the way. The boy jerked up on the handlebars just as he hit the body of the burly man in the dark suit, ramping up, colliding with a row of party goers, slamming them to the ground. The boy was flung from the bike. He landed with a thud and scrambled to his feet. Two women in corsets and thick gowns reached for him. Hey! The boy looked back as Emery threw the shotgun. He caught it, spun back around, and fired one of the two remaining shells, sending the women reeling and opening a hole into the clearing. Elizabeth saw her chance. She ran as fast as she could, slowing only to help Emery to his feet. The two of them ran through the opening and into the clearing, all the way up to the Camaro. Daryl! What the hell? Neither of them moved a muscle. They were still as if they joined the party, but there were no smiles on their faces. Instead, they were frozen in horror as they watched Daryl twist the tongs back and forth around his neck. What Elizabeth had seen was not someone else clamping the tongs on Daryl, but Daryl himself squeezing the handle so tightly his knuckles nearly touched. He twisted them as far as he could reach then slowly brought them back around to the other side. All the while, the tines dug into the meat of his neck, tearing the flesh away, crunching and grinding against bone. Elizabeth snapped out of the shock that held her. She had to stop him. She had to do something. She started toward him, but stopped again when the sharp edges of the tines sliced through Daryl's throat, spilling his blood in a thick stream across the windshield of the Camaro. Through a fine mist of red that hung in the air, she saw Daryl smile at her. At first, his mouth contorted into that same hideous grin as the others, but with the last of his strength, the last of his will, he forced that smile away and his own crooked grin, the one that made her heart melt every time, flashed just for a second before his fists snapped together, the tines clinked against one another and his head fell to the ground. Oh my God! Elizabeth rushed to him, but she didn't know why. She didn't want to touch him. She couldn't help him. She just stared at his face, lying a good two feet from his body, 
and let out a pain scream that can only come from such a visceral loss. Get out of here! The boy was holding the shotgun up like a barricade, pushing back against the crowd. They looked at him. Go! Now! Come on, Al, we gotta go. Emery opened the door to the Camaro and helped Elizabeth in. She climbed over into the passenger seat. He took a quick breath before digging through Daryl's pocket for the keys. He got into the car, and to his surprise, it fired right up. All he saw was red. He clicked on the windshield wiper, smearing Daryl's blood across the glass before finally clearing it enough that he could see to steer. Come on! Emery called out the window to the boy. But as the crowd moved in behind him, the boy knew it was too late. I'll see you around, he hollered back to them. Good luck, Ellie. You're going to be great. He lowered the shotgun, stuck the barrel beneath his chin. Emery and Elizabeth watched as the crowd swallowed him. Then, over the shrieking, came the muffled blast of the last shotgun shell. Emery dropped the car to gear and floored it. They powered through the crowd, knocking people down and aside and over the top of the car. By the time he hit the driveway, he shifted in a second, but it wouldn't go into gear. Son of a bitch! Now what? Double pump. You have to double pump the clutch. Elizabeth just stared ahead through the blood-streaked windshield. With each swipe of the wipers, a little more of the candy-red paint on the hood faded back into splotchy, Worn primer. Emery pumped the clutch again and slid it in a second. The Camaro plowed over the stand of pine saplings and shot out onto the dirt road like a rocket, fishtailing as Emery turned hard left without ever thinking about touching the brake. Once she felt like Emery had adequately regained control of the car and they were a relatively safe distance from the depot, Elizabeth looked back out the rear window. At the far end of Bragg Road, a light flickered. The next morning, the woods were calm. There was no hint of the madness from the night before. The depot was gone reduced to rubble once again, the field barren. Across the swamp, a boy who looked to be around 14, but was much older, pulled the dirt bike into the front yard of the shack and parked it under the big oak tree. He untied a rope from the back and a body fell to the ground. The boy dragged the corpse of his brother across the yard to the base of the stairs. His brother, who looked identical to him, if not for the missing top of his head. The screen door opened and out walked a mountain of a man who most folks thought to be the boy's daddy, but was really quite a bit younger than they were. He looked down at the body, then up to the other twin. I found him at the depot, the boy said. I guess he snuck off to help those folks. I found one of them too. You bury him. Sure did. I'll get the truck. Are we going to see her? The man sighed heavily. Wearily. 
If you want your brother back, we are. Well, y'all, that's the end of the road for now. But I wouldn't be too surprised if we run into some of those folks again. Maybe even old Derry. I'm sure you're left with a lot more questions than answers, but I promise we'll get around to some of those. We have so many people to meet and places to visit. There's a whole world in the pines. I hope you're ready. Drop by and say hello on the front porch of all your favorite social media platforms. The links are in the description. We'll see you next Saturday night at The Brag. Saturday Night at the Bragg is brought to you by Barn Show Productions. It is written and performed by Brad Cullen Fleetwood. The show is produced by Brittany Renee Fleetwood, Morgan Taylor Ardwine, Cody Wayne Fleetwood, David James in Cardona, and Brad Cullen Fleetwood. The music was written and performed by Wesley John Quinn, Cody Wayne Fleetwood, and Brad Cullen Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs>